Welcome back to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion. So come on with me and let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me this week. I am just back in London, freshly back from a two-week apprenticeship at a farmhouse cheesemaking operation. There is much more of a story behind that. I'm doing a really big project, which I cannot wait to tell you about, but I can't just yet. So in the meantime, I will just have to leave you hanging, but I promise I will fill you in soon. Mike Greenfield is today's guest, and I've wanted to have him on the podcast for a long time, so I'm really happy that we finally made it happen. Mike is many things. He is a YouTuber extraordinaire. So his channel, Brothers Green Eats, which he and his brother Josh started years ago, has 1.3 million subscribers. Yes, million subscribers. Um, They do really great stuff. Mike is super into teaching the basics, how to do things so that people can feel empowered to cook for themselves. And when I also say the basics, I don't just mean like, here is how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, just like really getting into the nitty gritty of all different kinds of food stuff. He is particularly into fermentation these days. Mike also does classes on this. So it's a separate thing from the YouTube channel, but he does these video tutorials to make sure that you understand how to make sourdough or kombucha or whatever is the topic of his classes. So we talk about all of these things. We talk about why it is important to maintain your sense of self and kind of to continue finding it as you go along. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to just jump into our conversation. I had a lot of fun editing this. Honestly, I hardly edited it at all because I just, it was one of those things where I enjoyed re-listening to the conversation that we had in New York a few weeks ago. And I hope that you enjoy it just as much. Here's Mike. Mike Greenfield, what is up? Not much. <laughs> Happy to have you in NYC. Yeah. Actually, your old stomping ground, Park my, Slope. Yeah, How does it feel to be back in Park Slope, more importantly? <laughs> it feels really good. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a great hood. How long have yeah. you been here now? I've been here for um, five years now. And yeah, I love this place. It's a good spot. And your, your apartment is fantastic. Thank you. And also... I love that you make that teeny New York kitchen work yeah. for you so well. Yeah. <laughs> for the last five, you know, it's funny because I came from um, Williamsburg. I lived with my brother in his uh, loft with his bandmates. And that was like classic Brooklyn loft style where, you know, the bandmates are sleeping on the floor, building the walls. But that was an open style kitchen. And that's the first place we filmed. And, you know, when it comes to a cooking show, you 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 get attached to what you've seen in the past. So this idea of Food Network, everyone has an island. Everyone stands behind that. And, um, you know, you have space. It's easy to film. It's great. So when I came here, I had to kind of problem solve. You know, this is a little... A uh, little tiny galley kitchen that, you know, in a brownstone. And the cool thing about it over the years is that I've, you know, 
I, it was annoying at first for me. It's still annoying. You know, I, today it's like, I got to move everything around if I want to film, but it has inspired, I feel like even more people potentially, because the truth is most people don't have food network kitchens. So they see that and they see me cooking in there. And my brother and I used to cook in there too, at the same time for some episodes. And there's something about that. I feel like that's just more relatable. Yeah. I totally agree. It's like, yo guys, if I can do this in this little kitchen, there's no, you have no excuse. (laughs) Although I am, uh, I am working on upgrading right now and getting an actual studio. It's time to get out of that thing. No, I just okay, can't. Nice. Yeah, I can't. I can't like every time. It's just not efficient to, first of all, being in my house, I'm done with, you know, yeah. that was fun. But just having to like put in the gear every time and switch the kitchen up and I just need some separation. I feel you yeah, on that. I'm sure you get it. But I bet that your kitchen is more like I bet that it's organized more efficiently than than the kitchen that you had in Williamsburg where you had all that space. Yeah, I think that's what inspires people the most. It's like it's almost like a workshop in there. Yeah. Um, You know, when my wife goes in there, it's it's almost foreign for her because it's so like a workshop. And I remember I put up a video um, maybe three years ago. <laughs> I just did. People had been asking me about do a kitchen tour. My kitchen is like three feet long. <laughs> so I don't know how, you know, a tour would go, but I just picked up a camera and just walked through and explained. It's like all Ikea stuff and just like simple organization. And I went back to that. It was just 20 minutes straight of just explaining this stuff. And I think I called it pimp. Oh, small kitchen organization or like pimp my kitchen or something like that. And I went back to it the other day and it had like 800,000 hits oh my or something. God. <laughs> and I swear I hadn't checked that video in, you know, two years. And it just shows you that that's what people need. Yeah. You know, it's very inspiring because most people live in, you know, a lot of people live in cities and need help with that. You just need to put up shelves and organizational stuff. And But you just hit on another point, which yeah. is evergreen videos and like Mm. it doesn't matter how many years ago Mm. like you've done all of these beginners food videos and that have been up for a long time and will only continue to garner more views because it's the kind of thing that like it doesn't matter what year it is or what season it is necessarily yeah Timeless, timeless Timeless food content content. and you okay and this brings up the fact that you and your brother Josh yeah. were like some of the first people on this YouTube game mm. slash YouTube food video game. Yeah. I mean, you guys are OG and I obviously say that with so much respect and also the fact that you're still doing it and still yeah. killing it. It's interesting because when people say OG, you know, there was like an OG generation before me, but definitely not much with food content. There are yeah. a few food creators that were killing it before. Um, but you know, there's always levels. Like yeah. w- we came in in 2013 or something and the, the OGs were 2008 when no one, like when we first started making food content, YouTube was, you know, not 
a cool place to be. We put our stuff on Vimeo because we were working with a filmmaker and he, you know, he was, he looked at YouTube as what it was, some like viral video site. Right. And he, he produced films. So we weren't going to be on YouTube, but it wasn't until like they started bringing in production companies and changing the game. But the idea of timeless food content, that's something I've been thinking about recently because what I like about YouTube is that it it is sort of the dictionary of videos, you know, and I don't think it's like the encyclopedia of videos and that's never going to be touched because it was the original. Yeah. So, and it just keeps building and growing. So like it's changed so much in the sense that now people, you know, there's viral content, there's in the moment content, there's tr- like everything's trendy clickbait, but it's still is the encyclopedia because that's where the how-tos were built. That's where they're stored. And no one's ever going to be able to compete with that until some new technology. Like, you know, think about how long the encyclopedia lasted for before Wikipedia or something. So I like that idea of being like in on the early days. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So fast forward, though, like the better part of a decade. Yeah. I mean, how are you, how does it feel to keep doing the game and like you have continued improving, but do you still feel like there are new challenges ahead? And yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely always new challenges. I think any career has challenges. Anytime you're, you're trying to get better, you know, that's a challenge right there. Um, YouTube is constantly changing for sure. So there's been... You know, huge shifts in the platform that you got to deal with. I'm sure you, you know, you've seen them over the time, Um, but I still enjoy it. And it's still, you know, so fun. The, The freedom you get on YouTube is great. And I've done, you know, through our run in the cooking world. I've been on so many different shows. We've had a TV show. Um, on MTV. Had, we had a, you know, a bigger production on YouTube. So it's nice to see that and understand, because a lot of times YouTubers, like if you've never experienced that, you're generally, you know, that's going to be in the back of your head. Like I want something more legit. Right. So when you have experienced that and you know what it is, um, it's good to have that because it's, you know, it's just a different world. It's a different production. It's a different art form. So for me, YouTube is like a, it's a unique space. Um, and I think it, it just holds, it holds a, a special type of freedom where you just don't get that anywhere else. And I take that, I don't know, I take that seriously and I try to, I think that's the the journey is just trying to continue to be authentic on YouTube because you have the power to, but then there's also a strong force that doesn't want like any yeah. art. It's like the resistance <laughs> is strong, yeah. and there's commenters there that you know will are can be mean, and then there's you know there's trying to get your videos to do well. So that's for me the biggest goal is just trying to continue to be authentic because you have the power to no one's telling you you can't and other than yourself right and if you listen to that then your content can evolve in really cool ways like yours has so this Mm. brings up the magic of fermentation which i'm gonna call you the fermentation prince and the king, of course, is Sander Katz in this uh, case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because, be, wow, 
first of all, that's like, that's an honor. But before, <laughs> before this started, you were saying, you know, coming to me for pro advice. And I feel like that's been a weird shift in my life because I used to come, I used to go to people for pro advice. So I think Prince is kind of like a, a good term. It's like, there were the, the pros that I used to go to that are Kings. Yeah. And now I guess <laughs> I've been doing it long enough and, you know, studying it long enough. And it's that, such breadth of knowledge because yeah. you have fermented so many things like beyond the kimchi kombucha yeah. that most people think but, about. You know, for me, what I love, and I think it goes back to my childhood, I, I started realizing that food projects I had a big passion for because I used to grow up in the the workshop. I would, you know, in, in I, Philly, right? Yeah, and I was um, that was my first passion was just woodworking, and woodworking takes patience and it takes time. You never just finish a project. It's not like cooking a stir fry that takes two hours or you know thirty minutes. It's over time. So I think when I started, I, I don't know what kombucha might have been one of my first fermentation projects, but once I that's what I call them. They're projects. They're fun. They, you know, they take patience and there's a grand reward at the end for doing them. Delicious so, reward. Yeah. Delicious <laughs> reward. But also there's a reward of like, whoa, like this, you know, I made something kind of crazy that I couldn't maybe get in the store or, you know, whatever. So yeah. to me, once I found that I was kind of addicted. So it's not just fermentation. Fermentation is a you know, happens to be a big part of that, but I just like food projects. Yeah. Oh, well, I love that because there's such an innate curiosity in that, yeah. right? Like you're yeah, curious like about something and then you exactly and, yeah. experiment and explore. But speaking of kombucha and your projects, um, when I walked into your apartment, you were kind enough to offer me, and here's, we can hear the <laughs> <laughs> glass clinking. Um, this is your, why am I blanking on the, hops. it's apple. Yeah, I was like, hops, why couldn't that come to my brain? <laughs> this is your hops and apple kombucha. Yeah, you're jet lagged, so I, you're allowed thank to. You. Uh... Yeah, thank you. It's true. I am quite jet lagged. Um, but it's so good. And I was saying, this is like the champagne of kombucha yeah. and it is so perfectly effervescent and yeah. fizzy and it's just delicious. Yeah. Kombucha that that's, I was amazed uh, by, you were telling me that you don't flavor your kombucha, yeah. which I found insane. Straight because, up green tea. <laughs> which I get, like if you're just going for health benefits, but I think kombucha has, you know, culinary wise and you know, just the world of gastronomy and just experimentation. There's so many options when it comes to flavoring kombucha. And to me, it's just so fun because one, you get carbonation and then it's like, when else can you make a, you know, a flavored drink? Like you can make a mixed drink for a cocktail, but it's not often that you get to create a beverage, yeah, you know, and that, all the flavors get to know each other. Yes, real well. and really, you can do any type of flavor. So there's just so like hops. Yeah, you know who would think of doing hops? That's so but good. But it works great. Tastes like beer. It's so it, like this is what I want to be drinking. Um, well, all the time, yeah. but um, like on a hot summer day. Yeah, this yeah, would yeah. be so refreshing. Yeah, it's in, well, kombucha is a kombucha is actually a um. It's more of a summer fermentation project. That's the other thing about fermentation that's cool is that it's seasonal. Most people don't think about that. But, you know, fermentation 
happen when you needed it. Um, and for actual kombucha, most people think about fermentation to like store food, you know, without like preservation, preservation, kimchi, sauerkraut in the winter. But kombucha is actually a tropical um, fermentation. So it comes from a tropical area. So it actually requires a higher temperature to ferment, at least to to have a better end product. So Yeah, you know, this explains the hot pad that I bought along with the yeah, jar, yeah, which yeah, I didn't yeah, even yeah. know why I was buying, but I was like, oh, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. so interesting. It's a tropical fermentation. I didn't know and that. And that's why I'm thinking maybe, you know, it has that that effervescence, that idea of drinking in the summer, you know? It, it kind of goes hand in hand. Listen to Professor Mike dropping oh, knowledge on well, us. Well, right now I'm, I'm so balls deep in kombucha. It's like, because I'm doing a course. Yeah, on, so talk to us yeah. about this. So I did a course on sourdough. Um, and the idea is that with fermentation and these food projects, you could say is that YouTube, it's great to get people into it. But what I was hearing a lot were just so many questions like, all right, I've watched your sourdough video a million times and I still can't get it. And the truth is it needs more explanation. It needs 40 videos maybe or 30. I mean, that is the thing about video, right? Like it has to be cut down in some way to be entertaining on YouTube on YouTube. Yes. So whenever you're thinking about that, you're not necessarily thinking about just pure education. And I think there was just something in me that, you know, had a desire for just pure education when it came to this stuff, because I think it's important for people to get a better understanding, a deeper understanding. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, Why do you think it's important for people to have a deeper understanding? Well, I mean, just for one, you when it comes to fermentation, it is like a scary um, endeavor to take on because it's a new it's a new way of handling food, preparing food. It's kind of like magic and most people aren't familiar with it. So I, I find that if you can get a little deeper into the science and you can understand some of the, the, the process that's taking place, you're going to feel a little better when it comes to the actual you know process of you doing it. Yeah, more confident in more confident. your ability to do it. And, you know, for me to give like a, a science lecture on... Um, on fermentation on YouTube, not going to go over so well. Maybe I can sneak it in a little bit, but it's not, you know, view worthy. Right, right. So there's things like that. And then there's also things, you know, when it comes to bread making, like the actual feel and the art of making bread, I wanted to be able to have time to really capture that. Um, So that takes more than one video. So how many total did you say for the sourdough? The sourdough what was, was the like final number? 45 videos or something yeah, like that. Wow. And the, uh, approximately 17 like to 20 minutes per They're video? They're probably 10 to 15 10 minutes. 10 to 15, okay. Which is um, a little shorter. Um, I've, I've learned a lot too. Course making is something new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm learning how to make courses. But it's, it's weird. Like right now, my brain... You caught me at an interesting time because I was filming all day. But when you make a YouTube video, you, um, you know, it's just a one off video. There's not that much pressure involved other than the video doing well. Right. But it's not like you're writing a book. Right. And there's not necessarily a lot of 
cohesion aside from you being yes. you. There's not you- much cohesion. That's the important thing to understand. Um, and without that amount of cohesion you need, there's just less like resistance. It's easy. You put it out, you do it. And I think that's why people like YouTube <laughs> and they get addicted to that. And it's hard to get out because it's easy. It, it can be easy. It's hard to evolve, but it can it's easy to stay safe, you know? So when, like, when I go into making a course, it's like writing a goddamn book, you know? And you know how how that goes. It's like, all right, where do you start? It's a totally different endeavor. It's, yeah. And let's just talk about really quickly, when we talk about your YouTube audience, the people watching these, you have... 3.1 3.1 million. Oh, I think you got that backwards. Oh, no. 1.3. Oh, God. Oh, I am actually. I, numbers yeah, do yeah. that in my head. Can I blame this on the jet lag, too? You can, yeah. Okay, okay. Unless you so, just think that we're so cool. That, well, you that's are that you're... cool. I mean, but honestly, to me, once you hit a million, yeah. the difference between 1.3 and 3.1 million, not a big difference to me. Like you are basically the point yeah, what that is I'm that trying about to make a million, is <laughs> a million followers. It is kind of weird. Yeah, it's, but like, it's like you, you want you, it depends on who you are, but at least in food, since food isn't like beauty, you know, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not that trendy. Yeah. It's like, once you get a million, it's like, all right, you're good to You've go. Made it. I mean, well, <laughs> so yeah. So the thing that I'm trying to, to say, that yeah, somehow. the thing I'm trying to say is that you are major league on on this platform, right? So, do you feel extra pressure mm. with knowing how many eyeballs are on this and like how many sourdough students, for instance, mm, you would? That's have? an interesting question. I think as a Okay, that's interesting. On, on I think there's there's two parts to that. As a YouTuber, people like as a, as someone on social media and this is just I feel like the, you know, the psychology of of the brain is that you just want to do well. <laughs> you don't care but like the pressure can get to you, but for me it's like, all right, there's more people. Well, I just want to do well. I want people to see my videos. I want to like get the amount of respect that I think they deserve. And then as far as um the pressure to to perform or like to get it right. I think that's always there. I don't know if that ever goes away. If I had 10 followers or like, if I'm doing a course for, I mean, the courses, not that, you know, it's not, it's a different thing. I sell the courses individually. It's not millions of people seeing uh, a course. So there's not many people in these courses, but the the key for me is that, you know, these people are paying for it now. So there's pressure there where it's like, well, I want this thing to be awesome. I want this to be the most extensive guide on whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So there's definitely pressure there. Sometimes I'm trying to deal with that, to be honest, of like when you make a course, you feel like, all right, well, now I have to be a pro. So sometimes you can like take it too far. Like I'm trying to balance that right now of like, well, be yourself. Don't think you have to be just because now you're teaching a course, you have to be some professor of fermentation. Well, and I mean, that's why what makes you so accessible, I Mm. think, in in your videos and your courses, but YouTube as well, where, yes, you know a lot about food of all different kinds. I mean, you know, another example is like you make ramen from scratch, Mm. right? Or like 
you DIY the yeah. kind of things that a lot of people would be super intimidated to make at home. They're like, no, no, that's one of the things you go out to eat, right? Yeah. So you deconstruct them, you break them down, but you do it in a way that is super accessible. I feel like that's a big part of who you are. Yeah, it's I, I call it, I've created a term for it. It's called pro home cooking or like professional home cooking. And for me, you know, I've always, I, I wanted to become a chef originally. I feel like that, you know, that was in my mind, but I always wanted a cooking show as well. But over time, the idea of becoming like a, a great chef, it just started to dissolve. Mm. I just started to see it in a different light. And as I kept teaching people how to cook, the idea of being the best cook started to become very ridiculous to me hmm. because cooking at the core of it is survival. Cooking is, you know, is, is supplying food for your family, your friends. Um, you know, it's a form of love in a way and survival. It's like those two things coming together. And like, I love that. Can I just yeah. say, I love that mm. survival and love yeah. coming together. That's yeah, for me, beautiful. for me, for yeah. some people, you know, I have no problem with people who spend their life trying to be the best because I can go to a restaurant and experience something that I couldn't do and appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. But I think over time I've just like really harnessed that idea. And that maybe is, you know, where some of the accessibility comes from, because I don't want to be the best. I just want to show people how cooking can be those two things. And that is what I care about. That's yeah. like the, that's my journey is just showing people that if you can create a cooking practice, especially like a strong one, if you can start making ramen at home or fermenting things, it's like, you know, it will change your life. It will change the people around you as well. So that's kind of my goal. Yeah. And so it, it makes complete sense that, that you are going further down the, um, like teaching route, yeah. really. Yeah. Where can people find your courses? So the courses, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, Life by Mike G, and um, I will promote them through the Instagram. I'm working on kind of bringing everything together through a site, but they release. The way it works is they release um, at certain times because they work like an actual enrollment where you sign up, but then I kind of walk you through. I kind of guide you through the whole process. So when you sign up, you'll be able to, um, you know, ask questions. You'll we'll all be able to come together and ask questions together as well as the process, you know, of making kombucha or bread goes along. So once they enroll, you can find all that or once they sorry, once enrollment opens, you can find all that information on Life by Mike G. Cool. Instagram. And are you, how do you decide like what the next course is going to be about? And is it like just a fermentation course because you feel like those are the things that need the deep dive? Yeah. That's how it started with sourdough was like so many people were asking those questions of, you know, they were having issues. They kept watching the videos. I saw that fermentation was like doing well. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of people interested. Um, I was super interested. 
Um, so that was a big thing of just realizing that these needed more. And yeah, it's a lot of just self-interest too, of what I, what I like and, and also what I want to learn more in, because when I go to make a course, it's like, I mean, you know, whenever you're researching something, you got to grow, you got to learn. So that's the hard part, but also the very rewarding part. I mean, yeah, I, I think of you as someone who is just so curious about food and wanting to know what happens. I mean, when we shot together, um, we shot, uh, did a YouTube collaboration. That was just the thing that, that was impressed upon me most Mm. and impressed me most, um, was just like, you are so just curious. I mean, Mm. that is, I can't think of a better word, but like deeply curious, like you really want to know. And like, you're not just putting that on for the camera. That really is you. And, And when I watch your videos and you're explaining things, that's you, that's just you. And so I guess my question is, when you first started doing the videos, how long did it take for you to or was it a skill you had to develop and really nurture that curiosity and learn how to talk about it? Because mm. you don't have a, you don't follow a script. That's, that's interesting that I've never, I don't think everyone, anyone, I've never looked at myself as, ah, wow. Cause the, the idea of being curious, like no one's ever told me that that's kind of a first, but when I think about it, yeah. But I, I feel like my, my mom sent me this video the other day of when I was like 12 or something. And I was talking, it was a, it was a project for some class that my, my dad had filmed and I was talking about golf clubs. I used to play golf and it was so funny because it was really the same exact shit I'm doing now, which is like (laughs) kind of bullshitting my way, but really just sharing what I'm passionate about. So I think it starts there, which is, you know, I'm just passionate about this stuff. You could say curious, passionate. Yeah, no, I think that the word passion is interchangeable for the way that I'm using curiosity. Maybe it's, maybe it's that. I think it is just, I, I like sharing what I'm passionate about. It's, it's just for the sake of sharing it because I want to let other people know, you know, I'm interested in this, but the actual skill of that, you definitely have to develop and, you know, like anything, you, you hopefully get better at conveying that to other people. Yeah. So when I call you the fermentation prince, I mean, does that feel aligned with your with your passions? Mm. Like, would you put fermentation at the top? Because it's certainly not all that you do in the food space. I think, um, I think like I talked about before, my goal, I'm doing a series coming up in a few days on how to survive the work week with, you know, home cooked food. That's not exactly the title of it, but it's, that's the idea. And for me, I'm just as passionate about that where, you know, fermentation might slip into that. Fermentation is a, is a passion of mine. Um, and I love doing it, but I think it all kind of funnels into this idea of being like a badass home cook, Yeah, you know, fermentation or just making homemade ramen. But really my passion is, is 
cooking for yourself, cooking for the people around you. And that idea of like, yeah, surviving. Cause you're gonna, your life is just going to be so much better when you, when you cook for yourself. Yeah. People don't necessarily understand that. And I'm trying to spread, yeah. <laughs> spread the gospel. What a sense of empowerment, right? Mm. When you can yeah. do this stuff, you don't have to rely on takeout. You don't have to rely on Oh my your God. Partner. When you like, I, you know, we don't get takeout too often, um, but we do. And it's like, it's so difficult. It's more difficult to pick takeout for me <laughs> sometimes than to cook. Yeah. Like to go, like, I, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I find that like when you have so many options and like you're trying to figure out with your partner, what do you, it's like, to, uh, I could just cook up a, you know, a, a fried rice in right. the amount of time I just spent, not, not to mention the, the price, yeah. but uh, it's, um, you know, it is empowering for sure. I think it's really... I find it most empowering when I don't have many ingredients like in my house and I can somehow make something like it's easy to make something. You go out to the store, you know what you want. But when you can create something from nothing, that's kind of empowering because that's, that's like, awesome. wow, I just survived off like my pantry. Yeah, there's back to the survival thing. Yeah, but exactly. also food waste is such an issue. And I think a lot of people who know it's an issue and just like throw out something because it's gone bad or starting to yeah. go bad. I think that they feel kind of crappy about it, but they still do it because they're like, well, I, I can't use this. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time? Sorry to put you on the spot, but I think I feel like I know what your answer is going yeah. to be. When was the last time you threw out a piece of produce because it had <laughs> gone bad? Well, it's funny because I think you're right, though, about the weight that people take on. You might not you might not know or you might not be conscious of it. But that is a weight you're taking on when you're just throwing shit out. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't that's know. It's like what a to, karmic weight, you, if nothing That's else. what I'm saying. <laughs> that is an unconscious, you yeah. know, weight. And for me, um, it happens for sure. I've tried to get a lot better at this. And this is something I want to teach too, which is, you know, where I fall into trouble with that is when I just um, get too much food, when I shop you know, at the market too much, or I, I just get, I get like, you know, I'm a sucker for farmer's markets. Yeah, I'm sure like, ditto, you know, it's, yeah. it's a problem <laughs> yeah. or at least it used to be more of a problem. So now it's like, all right, I got to limit it. And one thing that I found has really changed my cooking. And I think this kind of branches into so many worlds, but just limitations, you know, the amount of creativity that comes from limiting what you have in your fridge, uh, you're going to save money too. But I feel like I used to run into more issues with, I would just have so much stuff and things would go bad and I couldn't use them. Like they would wilt or whatever. Now it's like, I try to I try to limit that. And I actually did a video once on like, and it changed everything for me. I did a video on, it was like a spring cleaning for your um, fridge, kind of like living off your fridge. And I realized I'm like, wow, the amount of creativity that comes from not having much is so much more than going to the market with endless options. So the, the restrictions actually help. And I like that. So I try now to really, that, that is something I work on to not waste anything, but you know, it happens from time to time, yeah. but I feel the, the karmic yeah. <laughs> weight of it when it dies. <laughs> seriously, like if I throw something out, it's like, I'm this, I've always been that way. We used to do catering, my brother and I, and I, 
I hated having extra stuff. Like I'd rather have less, you know, be a little under than a little over in my, in my world. Yeah. So you and your brother started a YouTube channel a while ago. You had had always an innate interest in food, but throughout the course of your career, you have gotten so good at the camera side of it, mm. right? The video, beautiful production. Production. Yeah. Where do you categorize that skill and that interest? Ah, that's a good question because that is such a. That's such I mean, a, it's a like, huge part of what you do. That's such a millennial like <laughs> thing, like skill. Yeah, you know? totally. It and really it's like is. a means to an end. Yeah. But do you enjoy it? Because it's beautiful, so it looks like you do. So that. Okay. So I started. I always liked photography. So when I um, and I think I always had like an eye for photography naturally. So when I started cooking food, the first thing I started doing was taking pictures. And I would <laughs> the first thing I ever did was post. I would just when I was in college, I would post. I had this Facebook group or Facebook album, I guess. And I called it Everyday Appetite. And I would just post pictures there. It's a great name, Mike. <laughs> I, I thank you, Shane. <laughs> and yeah, Shane comes up with all, all of my names. See, I go, I go to him ever since everyday appetite, but, um, I would post pictures there and just, um, you know, here's what I created. And it was kind of like food porny stuff. So that was always, I always liked that side of food, the beauty of food, the artistic side. And then I met this filmmaker when I came to New York and he taught me film. He taught me filmmaking. He taught me editing. I spend hours with him. So that's when I learned that side. And I always, right away, I was kind of addicted to that. So it worked out for me as far as a YouTube career. Those two things worked out great because you, you don't need it. Like you can totally create a YouTube career with, um, you know, hiring people and creating more of like a classic style cooking show. A lot of people do a that. A lot of people do that. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, the idea of filmmaking, meeting um, food or a cooking show just was natural for me. And that is why YouTube's great because you can do that. I know you you edit, right? Yeah. 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 How do you like it? I do like it. Um, okay. But I... I really enjoy it. I mean, it. you do like good work. So I figured well, you, ha you. <laughs> you have to, you have to like it to, you know, at least be doing good stuff. To, yeah. You're, to a certain extent. Absolutely. And the videos that I love doing are the ones that, yeah, I care about the content. I care yeah. about that video. There are some where I'm like, okay, this is a slog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, so it's a little <laughs> bit up and down. Okay. I have learned though, I have learned to appreciate it more as I've grown into my YouTube career. Cause I used to think I was like a food host, but I've recently shifted to, I mean, there's a lot of things when you're, you know, when you're a creator, whatever you want to call it, but I have shifted more to the mindset of, Oh wow, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker too. And I'll, I'll spend three days editing. And if I'm spending three days of my life editing video, guess what? I'm not just a, a food host. That's yeah. like a different 
thing. Especially with the number of humans watching the yeah. films that you're making. Absolutely, it's fair to call yourself yeah, that. And so yeah. I'm glad that you that you had that realization because yeah. otherwise I think you'd be cheating yourself. Yeah. And it's it's easier to just accept it when you're like yeah. sitting in, <laughs> like when you're sitting inside editing and you're like, ah, I should be. <laughs> it's like, no, you're this is your job, dude. Yeah. You are a filmmaker, you know, sit in here and do good work. Yeah. So I think that you are a bit of a perfectionist. Is this accurate? Uh, yeah, I, I would probably say so. Yeah. In some forms, <laughs> okay. for sure. But but in your perfectionism, it kind of allows you to explore the things that you can get all perfectionist about. Mm. Because cooking, a lot of cooking is, and especially the, like fermentation and sourdough. I mean, yeah. hello, those measurements are very important. Yeah. And well, it's interesting. I think there's a mix. I... There's perfectionism, but also there's like freestyle, especially mm. when it comes to fermentation. That's one where people don't want to make mistakes. But like with bread making, it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, if you if you don't have a little bit of feel or you're you know, you don't have a little bit of art in your bread making you're not gonna you're not gonna do well so there there's a mix there it's like but there's always the perfect like the perfectionist is that if i don't i think anyone making bread from scratch if you don't get like a perfect loaf at the end you're gonna be a little mad but that is (laughs) you know what i just realized something that i think that's probably why i like it so much maybe that's what you're saying the challenge in it the challenge because ultimately making say a sourdough loaf it's it is one of the hardest things you can do in the kitchen. And there's so many levels to it. And ultimately you get this, like, it's like woodworking you get, you know, come on. That's like a piece of art. It is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So that to me is probably like 80% of the drive is just, I mean, that's not true. The food aspect is amazing, but the art form and like the quest for that, I had a section in the course called the quest for the perfect loaf. Cause that to me is, was a big part of it. It's like, you're always pushing for more. And when it, it's such a, um, it's such a high risk game. And I, I like that about fermentation, especially bread making. I love the emphasis on the quest. Yeah. That quest. <laughs> makes it sound quite epic too. Yeah. And I enjoy that. Um, Mike, I could, talk to you forever. (laughs) I mean, especially because the things that you're into are also like my favorite things in in general, but also just to talk about food and fermentation and and media and filmmaking. It's true. We, I mean, we share a lot of the same passions, which is why it was fun to, you know, collaborate with you. Fun to talk to you. I know it's, it's always so good to see you. So thank you for being on the podcast and allowing this conversation to be (laughs) recorded in public. (laughs) No problem. Good luck with uh, everything you're working on. (laughs) I know we didn't get to talk too much about uh, your stuff, but I guess, I don't know. Maybe people have already heard that. No one wants to hear that. I want to hear it. This, this episode is not about me, Mike, but I can't let you go without asking how you keep it quirky. Mm. Um, I, I would say by just being striving to be authentic because everyone has a little bit of quirkiness in them. So just being myself as much as possible. So what is the, what is quirky Mike? If people haven't seen it? Um, I would say just 
<sighs> Quirky Mike is all of the things we just talked yeah, about. Like kind of like laid back with perfectionism. Yeah, it's such a with mix. Art. Yeah. That is you. But that's everyone, right? Yeah. You know, you can't label. That's why I like the word quirky. It's like. It's kind of, you know, it could be anything, right? What is it to you? Yeah. What? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's turning the tables. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? You're right. That's a hard question. I, yeah. No one, oh, no one has ever flipped this no, on me. I, here's the thing. I love the branding of that. I'm actually working on something right now. And I'm looking for words like that, you know, like a term that can describe that that has a bigger meaning to it that isn't something specific but when you say it you get the idea yeah i like your version of quirky God, that's good i like it a lot <laughs> mike greenfield thank you yeah. so much for coming on the keep it quirky podcast you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> As always, thanks to Funky Brian for the theme song. I will see you back here in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, as always, don't forget to keep it quirky. Oh, and leave a review for this podcast if you dig what you hear. (laughs) Thanks, guys. See you soon.